Rocky Mountain makes down We're talking music in your hometown Other places do Welcome, welcome All are welcome here Rocky Mountain makes We are here on the Rocky Mountain Mixdown. You have Kenny and Ty, uh, and you also have Terry and Kyle. Hello, Hello. friends. <laughs> Terry and Kyle are in Caustic Soda, which is a uh, pretty awesome. Uh, I never want to. I don't want a genre. I don't. I don't throw people in the genres. I ask people what genres they are because, like, if I could say hardcore punk, I could say, you know, you have some 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 popish tunes as well, you know, like that have good chord progressions, like accessible chord progressions. So like, but what, 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 uh, what genre or subgenre would Caustic Soda be in? We don't know either. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think like hard, hardcore is hardcore punk and hardcore are things that like we've been defined as and, and like, yeah. but so is pop punk. Um, I think mm. last time we talked about it, it was hardcore pop. Hardcore yeah. pop. We've all, we've thrown out the term junk rock before too. <laughs> junk rock. Okay, yeah. sweet. I like that. Uh, awesome. How? Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the band's formation. How long has it been around? Uh, how has it changed over time? Um, how long has it been around? Well, we started Caustic Soda when I was in undergrad, and it would have been I think my sophomore year of undergrad. So at CU Boulder. At CU. Yeah. yeah. So we've been a band for a long time. Um, I think like <laughs> Thanks for answering the question. I just don't know if it's four or five years at this point. Because I've been in the band for three years now. Probably closer to five then. Because I think we okay. got Kyle around the two year mark because we went through a lot of other drummers until we found a Kyle. Um <laughs> but yeah. Kyle Wildy. Yes. yes. Thank you for getting it right. <laughs> We went through a lot of different, like, lineups and different people playing various instruments, but we've been doing the same thing we're doing now since our first show post-COVID, so it's been it's been over a year, I believe. Maybe just barely over a year? Something pretty much just about a year, I think, that we've been playing as a three-piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. And and that wasn't always the case, right? It was a four-piece at one point in time. You were looking for a bassist, uh, and then, Terry, you were like... <laughs> yeah, I uh, I decided to actually learn how to play the bass that I'd owned for, like, eight years. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, we used to be, like, a, we were, like, a four-piece, we were a five-piece, we were a six-piece... Oh, yeah. Didn't you have a trumpeter? We did have a trumpet player. Some point time. Yeah, Once when I time. first joined the band, we were a six-piece. Yeah. Wow. And, and then we cut slowly the... lost people <laughs> since then. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> There's been layoffs, reductions. Now, Times bit. have been tough. Now, uh, now we have three. <laughs> um, what was it like as a vocalist learning to play an instrument and sing at the same time? Uh, I don't know, because I never really learned to play bass without doing vocals with it. So it's not something where I like had to relearn how to do it or like had to figure out how to match the two up. 
Oh, so so it's more like you were you know you were singing it and then you were layering the bass on top of yeah. that from a talent standpoint. Yeah, that's kind of what I, I think felt like is I was learning like ba- really basic bass parts at the beginning because Jay basically taught me how to play our songs. The only songs I know how to play are our songs. <laughs> but um, <laughs> can you play Seven Nation Army? No. Oh come on. No, the only everyone, songs I everyone the only songs I know how to Army. play are our songs. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Because um, Jay taught me how to play basically like really basic parts at first. And so I learned how to play those while I was doing vocals. And then coming out of that, it, it was less of learning how to put the two together and more of like learning how to play bass. And I already knew all the vocal parts. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, and Kyle, have you always been a, a drummer? Uh, you, uh, where, 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 when did you start picking up the drums? So I started picking up the drums when I was in my seventh grade year of middle school. I almost thought you said your seventh year of middle school. For no, <laughs> that would have been a long time in middle school. No, in my seventh grade I year, I started back. playing drums. But funny enough, in my sixth grade year is when I first picked up an instrument and I wanted to play bass. Really? Yeah. So when I picked up bass in sixth grade, my dad started showing me all the bands and whatnot he used to listen to when he was growing up and closer to my age. And the one song that really stuck out to me was Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. Uh-huh. And he's playing it for me, telling me, like, you know, listen to that bass line. And I just heard the drums, and from that moment on, I just had to be a drummer. You're like, oh, I, I want to be a Bonham. Yep. Basically. That's why I play acrylic drums. <laughs> so you've recorded a couple of songs here. Uh, I know that you've done demos before. Uh, how how has the songwriting process and the recording process evolved over time as, as a band, as things have changed? I don't know. Call me crazy, but I feel like since I've joined the band, the process has pretty much mostly stayed the same. Okay. Like, Jay will come in with a riff or we'll have some sort of, like, idea of a song and then we just get together, play it around with, around with it, and then eventually it just becomes a song. Cool. I don't know much else about how writing lyrics goes. I don't help with any of that <laughs> stuff. I just play drums. <laughs> you're, you're not like, oh, hey, Terry, you should go, whoa. We, no. wrote, we wrote a song with, with Kyle's lyrics. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's called Fight or Fight. Fight or Fight? Yeah. <laughs> what did you choose, Kyle? So <laughs> there is a very specific part of the song where <laughs> we're bitching about, you know, those uh, boozy pedal carts? Yeah. That go around Denver, particularly like around this time of year when it's warm outside. Yeah, the pedal bars. Or yeah, whatever. the pedal yeah. bars that are really annoying and hold up traffic for blocks yeah. at a time. So I memorized like 20 seconds worth of monologue for the middle of a song with a complicated bass part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's just, great. it's literally just Kyle complaining. <laughs> you throw in some car horns. And- <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah, when we start recording it, we might <laughs> have to throw in a car horn or two. <laughs> But oh, I was I hate those things. That was a fun day. Mm-hmm. I I do want to talk about the writing process of woke though because that was for me that's when my brain switched on to caustic soda because I it was like maybe I don't know five minutes before the pandemic right you played at a what was like a I don't know it was a restaurant turned pop up venue kind of was place it in Boulder in, okay yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if they still exist there. I, they that was don't. that was the velvet room that had just opened yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. Uh, you just went nuts uh, <laughs> singing woke to the point like where just like all hell broke loose uh, and there were fifty people you know like confused no. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, uh, no, it was it was awesome. Um, and I want you to talk about uh, where you came up with that because I know Boulder does have its stereotypes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it's like I have to shit talk somebody to tell you where I came up with that. Is that, is that okay? If, if you're comfortable you with it, if you're comfortable um, with it, but I, not. I just had uh, I had a coworker at an old job who like like exemplified everything in that song. Like genuinely, there are things in that song that she said. Um, like uh, the lyric uh, is what you're not transcendental. You don't have a brain. Um, I think it's actually motherfucker. You aren't transcendental. You don't have a brain because at one point I was asking her whether, you know, maybe people might be offended by the fact that the artwork that she did was a combining, um, religious symbols that she wasn't affiliated with. Mm. And she was like, no. And I was like, well, I feel like people might be offended by that and not be telling you. And she goes, well, it doesn't matter. I'm just like a transcendental being. And I was like, I just hate you so much right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh-huh. like just so much right now. Right. Um. Yeah. Just, just so much. <laughs> no, it, it's and it's it's awesome to to hear that because when you go into certain places in Boulder, you are confronted by exactly that, that. type of personality, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Uh, where you do have like the holier than thou contingent of people who uh, are. Yeah, as you say, woke uh, yeah. to the point where nobody else can be as woke as, as they are. Uh, and uh, it gets really annoying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's 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 problematic because I think it turns into like uh, – it's like an excuse for like poor behavior, right? It's like right. you get to act like because you've surpassed this certain point of human intelligence, now like you being a racist piece of shit doesn't matter. <laughs> But That's like it's, it true. still matters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it 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 doesn't matter what you think. It matter it, it. You do have to, like, you can say whatever you want, but you also have to deal with the consequences. Yeah. Of what you're telling people. Yeah. Yeah. But that's. I think it just comes into this strange situation of like, like I would love it if being woke meant the things that people kind of pretend it means but Mm -hmm. like in the end it's a lot of people being like boulder's so safe and not realizing that like it's safe because boulder actively puts homeless people in jail and fights constitutional challenges over it over and over again to the point that they've created colorado precedent that it's acceptable to have camping bans which actually (laughs) leads me into (laughs) the next topic um so i mean terry you are um and tell me if I'm misframing anything here. Um, I do feel like you do. You have a yin and a yang of uh, you fight for social justice wherever possible, but you are also inside of the system that actively could fight for or against those values, right? Yeah. Um, tell me about how you came to get into the criminal justice arena and... and uh, you know, where, where you plan on, on taking things professionally, because, you know, you do have your five to nine of, of music, (laughs) right. But you also have the nine to five of working in, in, uh, you know, wanting to, to change the world from the inside. And I feel like from a, a punk hardcore, uh, perspective, (laughs) that's something that doesn't often happen. Right. (laughs) Uh, usually counterculture is like outside the building, not inside the building. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, Well, there's a lot to it, right? Because I started going to law school because I was going to continue 
either getting a PhD in social psych where I researched uh, racial bias um, and bias mitigation techniques, um, which I was doing in undergrad and the year afterwards. And I went through some PhD applications and going through all that. And then I was at the same time also applying for law school and taking the LSAT and doing all this stuff because somebody told me that I could probably do that. Um, I just didn't really know what I was doing. So somebody told me to apply for a PhD. So I did that. And somebody else told me to apply for law school. So I just tried both. Um, So I ended up going to law school because the unfortunate situation with a PhD in any psychology that's not clinical, um, and obviously clinical, you're looking at MDs, but any psychology PhD, there's no jobs at all. You are like praying that someone will let you be a professor. Um, so you're paying a bunch of money to go to fucking school and then probably more school after that. And then you're like begging people to hire you. Whereas I could study law and actually have a job. (laughs) Yeah. But I went into law school with some concerns about like, I didn't know how to approach that learning and to approach that career path in criminal law because I really like, I studied criminal law, but in undergrad, I really like criminal law, um, like is maybe a weird term to use there. I enjoy studying it. Um, <laughs> uh, yep. So, but I was like, I don't know how I can go into a career in criminal law and have this be like morally okay. So I looked, I was looking at doing some immigration work, all this jazz. But um, the more that I was talking to people and the more that I was looking at criminal law career paths, the more that I was kind of on this defense route mm-hmm. um, because there's this somewhat like uh, I mean there's a strong divide but I think it, it the divide between like a district attorney and a defense route is really incredible in the way that they approach issues because like DAs are very um, everyone that I've met has been very like jail time focused and very mm-hmm. like winning focused like it's not about victims it's not about helping people it's about like we're gonna put this guy in jail and we won Whereas every public defender that I've spoken to and everyone who worked in defense, even privately, it's like, let me tell you about this person's life. Let me tell you about why this matters for this person, whether or not this happens to them. So I think that, like, for me, um, going into public defense, like, not only am I doing something that is super needed, um, but it's also it's also a place that I think is a lot more uh, – it's just a lot more in line with, like, my values in terms of the way that it's framed – Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully someone will hire me in public defense in two years when I graduate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think it's, it's, it's huge, right? Because you are using both sides of your brain, right? You have your creative side in the punk and hardcore scene. You have the other side of your brain. I don't know what side is what. Do you know, Ty, do you know what, what side of brain does what? I think the left brain is your creative brain. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh. oh. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Why uh, not? Yeah. Anyway, I, all to say, like, you're using both sides of your brain all the time, it seems like. Yeah, I think it's like, it's it's good. It can be really hard, I think, to kind of switch between the two um, and to like go go into like from doing like legal research for eight hours to like, I'm going to play a show. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's, that's a rough switch. <laughs> You're like, today we're going to scream the municipal code over power cords. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I mean, and that's that's something that actually, because um, when when I met y'all, you were just pretty much like hanging outside doghouse, um, and I was like, oh, who are who are y'all? 
Um, because you were you started to split the you know basically split a room with another band. I, yeah, we had no idea. Um, but it was awesome to <laughs> to meet y'all. Um, we were subletting. <laughs> yeah, subletting of subletting. Uh, and <clears throat> like my very first memories are y'all sitting in the parking lot talking about the injustice of something. I don't even know what it was, but I don't know what it was either. But it was probably you know. <laughs> But it sounds on brand, right? Yeah, it sounds, <laughs> sounds about right. Um, how does that how does that come through in the music? Like, you know, we talked a little bit about woke, but um, in other songs, is that part integral to the part of your writing process? The um, the injustice side of things, and you know, fighting for for what's right, or do you find that you're just writing songs about anything? Like, is it a stream of consciousness? Um, I think it kind of depends like because both Jay and I write like I've I think maybe half of the lyrical content correct me if I'm wrong Kyle yeah I think you and Jay take a pretty even approach to writing lyrics yeah Mm -hmm. so I feel like we like each end up writing like half of the lyrical content and Jay's songs are like not uh that um (laughs) which is not bad but I like there's only you know there's only so many breakup songs I can do um I like I do like them and she does like the parts she writes for guitar are so fucking good. I would never, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> could never say no. Um, they're so good. But um, th- I feel like the things that she writes are a lot more, like, personal about her life experiences. And I tend to write a lot more in the realm of, like, political hardcore. Um, uh, so, like, we have a newer song. Uh, I guess it's called Death Sentence now that hopefully will also be recorded sometime soon. Um, and that song's, like, about, uh, basically, I mean, it's about how, like, well, it's, it's about a lot of things. It's, like, both about, like, the death penalty and about um, uh, police violence. Mm-hmm. So coming into this understanding that, like, basically no matter what we do, whether or not we're, like, actively allowing police to kill black men, um, we're allowing people to sentence them to death at, the, like, significantly higher rate than white men. Um and just how that's – it's really problematic that we're, like, letting the state and the government decide who dies um, is pretty not cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so – but, yeah, so um, I think – I think it, there are some songs that I think are less like that um, that I've written, but I think a lot of them tend to have that pretty, like, political leaning. Mm-hmm. Probably can't have a whole set of those, so it's probably pretty good. We have not just that. <laughs> you know, that might be a little much. <laughs> I mean, even Gogo Bordello has their start wearing purple, you know, as opposed to, <laughs> you know, like, fight for your right, fight for your right. No, no, no. We're going to talk about one color for 18 minutes. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. Yeah, you got to have it occasionally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to be fair, I think, like, the songs that Jay, write, Jay writes, when even when they're not, like, as, like, politically motivated or as deep or whatever, they're, like, so much more catchy. <laughs> because Jay's like, look at this great chorus. And I'm like, that is a fucking great chorus. And then I'm like, look at this thing that I wrote that's me screaming. And it doesn't rhyme. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. Kyle, do you prefer one over the other? <laughs> yeah, Kyle, who do you like more? Yeah, do you, do you like the, the romantic or the political? <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> you can't do that. This is, the, the Fifth Amendment doesn't apply here. Who do you like more? Yeah. Ah, well, shit, that's a tough question to answer. Um, Are you going to follow this up with a knock-knock joke? <laughs> Fuck. 
Don't do it. <laughs> I mean, do you want me to? Because <laughs> for the no. next thirty minutes, for oh, the next God. thirty minutes, oh. that the would rest be, of it. That's just that'd half be the, the Guinness podcast. record for that'd be the Guinness record for the longest knock knock joke ever. Is thirty minutes? Is that an actual Guinness record? Hold I on, can I'm attempt look to break right now. <laughs> okay, but say who you like more first. <laughs> Kenny's looking something up. No, but actually, that's a good question. Do you? Not whether you like me or Jay more. Yeah. I understand we're both your favorite children, but um, you're talking about like the differences in like writing yeah, style and I versus think... like playing the more popular songs and the harder, right. faster songs. And not that Jay hasn't written anything right. that's hardcore because I think Jay wrote like most of Fight or Fight, and that one's super hardcore. Right. Um, but I feel like what do you prefer more in ter- like what do you have more fun playing or doing for an audience? Well, it just dependent on mood i guess i like the songs for different reasons i like it when we can kind of slow down and do more of a groove and tighten up our playing but coming from my background of playing in a lot of like metal bands from like 15 years old and onwards i really love when we can just go balls to the wall crazy and i can just play blast beats and go fucking fast Mm -hmm. like that's my favorite kind of thing to usually my favorite thing to do with playing drums is that kind of just bombastic leave it all out there on the floor kind of did did your does your like soul leave you and you're just watching yourself play at like 200 bpm sometimes yeah (laughs) yeah sometimes kyle does not know how fast he's making the rest of us play (laughs) i have seen that (laughs) it's fucking brutal there are multiple songs where like we had to take out the drums for the like we had to we had to have everyone stop for the middle of fight or fight because every single time we tried to play it i physically could not fit the words into the space they had to be in (laughs) Like, I was not physically capable. You're like an auctioneer, basically. Like, I could play it on the bass. I could not I could not say them fast enough. <laughs> so, Kyle, Kyle have, you, have, you heard of, have you heard of a <laughs> click good. track? Get <laughs> good. A click track? Who? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I need to start playing to a click uh, more. It's a, it's a metronome, I think, or a, I forget the, the real term. It's a Does it kind of go like... Metronome. Does it go like... Metronomy? Knock, knock. Anemone, anemone. <laughs> oh, wait. Hold on. Kyle's a knock-knock <laughs> joke. Does the metronome okay. go knock knock? Wait, what's the wait? What's the uh, what's the record though? <laughs> the longest knock oh, knock joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know why we're talking about this, uh, rewind five minutes. Uh, let's see. The longest, the longest knock. Oh wait, knock knock. Comedian sets marathon joke telling record. There's a Colombian comedian named Jose Ordonez. <laughs> Who has the longest broadcast of jokes performing for 86 hours straight? Okay, Cal, so you need to be able to say knock knock for 86 hours straight. What was his name again? (laughs) Jose Ordonez. Is he on your hit list now? I'm coming for you. (laughs) Cool. You let me know uh, how Columbia is. When I get the money, yeah. All right. Yeah. That's great. Sure, Southwest flies there, right? A little vacay. Should I get started now? <laughs> Visit Kyle's GoFundMe to go to Columbia. To- oh, I just assumed we were doing OnlyFans. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> if I have an OnlyFans account, then I don't need to go to Columbia. Why not? Why not? Because I'll just have all the money I need. <laughs> Why would you go to Columbia for money? I mean, not that they don't have money there. I'm just. I like, mean, what? your money go- might go further in Columbia. Yeah. I don't know what the exchange rate is these days. Oh, it's but- pro- I mean, I feel like it's probably good. Yeah. Uh, may- we've kind of fucked everything here. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good at derailing conversations. No, that good. was actually my fault. No, no, this I is I asked great. what the world record was. Oh, if it was like two minutes, I want like it sounds like maybe there's not one for explicitly a knock knock joke. Right. So I got some faith in you. Yeah. I, I think I can figure this one out somehow. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> cool. Moving on from Knock Knock Jokes. Uh, y'all are inextricably, is that word? Is that a word? It's a word. Yeah. Y'all are tied to the larger music scene here in Colorado. Um, uh, y'all have played in different bands. You've uh, moonlighted in different bands. Um Kyle, you played with uh, Addy Tonic for a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, and then Terry, uh, you've uh, you said you just uh, recorded some lyrics for uh, uh, Plasma Canvas. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, uh, that was. I guess it was been like I think a couple months now, actually. Um, but yeah, I got to do like a really small vocal thing for their uh, their new upcoming album that I don't know the release of, but I've heard a lot of it and it's going to be really good. Sweet. So that's fucking lit. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was really, it was really cool to be able to record with them. And I always like Adrian's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And that band's wonderful and they kill it every time. Sweet. And then Jay also plays in pilot, the machine, in pilot, the machine. Uh, <clears throat> what is it like working with, other bands as opposed to working like just within the caustic soda, the, the soda verse. I'm going to be the least experienced with that. Cause like when I go and do, if I've done anything for other bands, it's literally been a like, Hey, can you come and send you these, this like demo? Can you record this thing for this, like on this day at this time for this demo? And then I go home. But I know Kyle's been in multiple different bands while he was in caustic soda. Yeah. When I first joined caustic soda, I was in a couple different bands um, that all didn't work out for various reasons, obviously. <laughs> um, but really, that was for the best because I enjoy being in Caustic Soda. I like playing in this band. I've turned down the opportunity to jam with other bands because they didn't seem like they would be willing to work too well with the Caustic Soda schedule. Like, they wanted me to just be in their band, their band only. And I like being able to do multiple projects, have the opportunity to moonlight with some other bands, whatever I want to, mm-hmm. you know, I just like playing drums. <laughs> it's really what it is. Just like I just like playing stuff. drums. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I, I just like, I don't, I, I can't imagine having time for more things personally. Yeah. Yeah. Much like, yeah. Well, I do. Th- I do think that that's also built into the Colorado music scene, right? There's only it's only twelve drummers in the entire state. Oh of yeah, no. Yeah. Kyle's like the fact that we have a drummer that's only in our band is like crazy. I did the being the drummer in four bands thing before, and I found out very quickly I like sleeping. Yeah, I can fucking imagine. <laughs> like, there's that joke. Like, if you kill one local drummer, you will cripple an entire scene. It's oh, true. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you could destroy all of jazz. With one drummer. <laughs> There's also, like, I don't know. I'm just, like, I feel like being in a band, you're, like, in a relationship. But with, like, four people. And I feel like that'd be a lot if you had, like, four of those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it can be pretty demanding because the amount of time and effort you put into, like, writing songs or you put the amount of yourself you'll put into a project just mm-hmm. to kind of have it be completely overwhelming and then become like a source of stress in your life really sucks. Yeah. So so basically you've tried musical polyamory. And polyjamory? Polyjamory. Holy shit. Have you never? Polyjamory. Have we never done that one before? No. Oh, oh. shit. Yeah, if, you, if you play in multiple <sighs> bands, you're polyjamorous. Oh my God. 
Did we not, have I not told you this joke? No, before? that's the no. first I've ever I heard that. That's constantly. fucking like. Oh man, that Ethical deserves a round of applause right? right there. Yeah, I think that's going to be the the sound bite when we <laughs> when we re- when we uh, release the podcast. Yeah, I've tried polyjamory before. Not so much for me. I think I could handle two bands at a time, but like four is a little much. Four is much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't even come up with a better term. Just being in two bands, it's it's still not like well, no. like and being in two bands is still like polyjamory. It's just not like one band gammy, you know. One one band. Gammy. I don't have a good one for monogamy. We're just trying. Try I think it. it'd just be monogamy, we frankly. Gotta, you got to workshop it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not on your Tinder profile. Monogamy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They need to make a Tinder for musicians looking for other band members. You know, weirdly, I think it's Craigslist. No, they have that already. Really? Wait. What, what is it? I think it's called Jam Bass or something like that. What? What yeah. the fuck? I know. Also, like everybody grabbed. <laughs> yeah, everybody grabbed their phones right now. Jam Bass. Oh yeah, I googled that whole left brain, right brain. I know I was earlier. wrong. Thank you. I've been like wanting to like clear that up because I was completely wrong. <laughs> the right, the right brain's the creative yep. side. Jam Bass is uh, is basically defined fish tickets. It looks like. Yeah, I think. Well, it's okay, just well, a, it's not Jam Bass, but they do have purchaser. one. I'm just gonna look up Band Tinder, and this is gonna take me to really acceptable places in the internet. <laughs> Yo, there's there's an app called Vamper. Vamper. You literally first result oh, yeah, it's on Vamper. Google. If I look up Band Tinder, it does show up with yeah. Vamper. Why are we? Uh, this is not an ad. Um, <laughs> apparently, it is now. <laughs> I don't know if I trust them, but I'll like see. they've been a thing since like 2017, apparently. Well, yeah, yeah. but see, like that's always the problem with uh, dating apps is like you don't know how many people are on them, and if it's not like frequently used enough, then you won't like find the band of your dreams. Right, exactly. Unless you're in like Manhattan. Yeah, it's a lot of bands, and then you're like, well, I'm looking for pre-hardcore to post-hardcore. <laughs> the th- yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, is there something that bugs you about the music scene in Colorado? <sighs> now that we're talking, go Kyle. About what like bugs me opinions. about the music scene in Colorado? Like, what? How could? How do you think the music scene could be better? Like, how so, would you improve it? This is more just a personal gripe in general, not necessarily about Colorado's music scene. But if you're a drummer, you should have your own drum set ready to play at shows. <laughs> makes things easier. No, I understand backlining makes things easier. I'm not talking about the drummers that are playing a show where the venue wants you to backline. I'm talking about the drummers that show up to a show without any of their drums and just expect somebody to give them their drum set for this show. I've dealt with that on more than one occasion and had more than one group of bands get salty with me for not just giving them my nice expensive drum set last minute. I gotta be honest though, I think that might just be a music music scene thing. Rather a DIY music scene thing. So that's but why like, I said I'm not sure if it's just Colorado in general, but drummers. Like I had a drum set, Please. but then somebody fell on it, and now it's broken, so. We call that the stepbrother syndrome, right? You touched my drum set! John Bond's playing Moby Dick for reals. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that movie. <laughs> or just you Will Ferrell movies in general. Have you ever love played them. a wine mixer? Have you ever... No, I haven't played a wine mixer, but funny story. One time I went on a road trip with a couple friends to follow Black Sabbath for their This Is The End tour. And we ended up in California and we were staying with my uncle for the couple days we were out there. I wake up like eight in the morning, whatever it was, and him, my uncle and his wife are gone. And I just wake up to a text message 
and he sends me a picture of the fucking uh, Catalina wine mixer banner. And all he sent in his text message is like, yeah, that's right. We're here. Catalina fucking wine mixer. <laughs> so it really is a thing. It's not yeah. just something they made up. I think it's a real thing. All right. That's amazing. I would totally play a wine mixer. If anybody's listening, let's go. <laughs> We're going to get some weird messages on our page after this, aren't we? I love Will it. they be fun, though? Probably. Yeah. Maybe. It'll be mostly Jay. It'll be mostly people asking for <laughs> Kyle's OnlyFans. <laughs> feet pics are extra. It's actually just only feet. <laughs> for those of you not in the room right now, uh, Kyle is wearing a very re- revealing cut up Patty's Pub t-shirt. Oh, I thought we were just going to like tell say that Kyle was wearing like full lingerie and I was like I was ready to commit. Oh, so was I. <laughs> was like lacy, it's frilly, Kyle, it's those pink. Fish, those fishnets are bomb. Are those Wolfords? <laughs> hey, looking's for free, Kenny. Touching's going to cost you. <laughs> I do have a thing for dudes with longer hair than I have. Um Anyway. <laughs> So wait, when you say dudes with longer hair, do you mean dudes with longer hair than you or yes. just longer hair in general? So just hair? So, so like hair. And, yeah, and every just, person on the planet almost? <laughs> almost. I have a thing for dudes with hair. I, I, I really have a crush on people that don't like Vin Diesel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. Brutal. 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 Vin, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Take me back. This is how you get sued. I'm just kidding. You haven't <laughs> no, done no. enough to get sued. No, we're family. <laughs> <laughs> we're family. Uh, cool. Let's see. <clears throat> um, so post-pandemic, start booking shows again. Um, you've been involved in uh, Blast and Scrap in the past, right? Yeah. 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 Um, Tell me a little bit about that. Oh, the Blast and Scrap people are fantastic. They're always a pleasure to interact with, play shows with, or for... Um, they really did solid with us getting us up to Fort Collins for a couple of shows, like post pandemic, our first, I think show back post pandemic was, was with, with them. Yeah. Yeah. At Vindicat when they were playing in the, doing shows in the parking lot at Vindicat. Yeah. So that shit was fun as hell. I had no idea what I was doing. That was the first show I ever played bass for. In retrospect, I did really poorly. I, I think don't I think knew most I really people could tell that was your first show ever playing bass. I told though. them. <laughs> I don't think they would have known until you told them. Why would I lie to them? So wait, what is Blast and Scrap for those who are not anointed? Uh, I mean, like, it's the thing. It's not like a venue. Blast and Scrap is basically like DIY, like a DIY collective. It's in not Fort even a Collins. collective. It's run by like one person. It's run by like Mike, and like he kills it. So I don't want to like. I don't want to. I don't want to lower the value of that. It's at a all. one one person army. It's basically. like he definitely has help and like a lot of other people who help him put things on but he's like the guy um but it's yeah he basically does like diy booking and it's like yeah at different venues aren't blast and scrap doing the uh bowling alley show we're playing yeah okay but it'll be past the show by the time this is on the internet so we have to pretend we already played it it was uh, really can you, good. Can you make up a story? Yeah. What was it like playing 100 nickel? Oh, yeah. So, I fun story about 100. And then um, it was on the bowling lanes, and um, uh, um, it was good. You wouldn't believe it, but somebody lined up a strike perfectly with the timing of one of our songs. Absolute magic. No one was bowling because we were so good. They wanted to watch us. <laughs> we just gave two conflicting stories. Who are they going to believe? <laughs> 
It's okay. I don't doesn't, know. You know, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Maybe the one going to law school. That's, that's <laughs> not. They <just> fucking shouldn't. <laughs> Uh, and so the only the only time I went to one of the bowling alley slash concert venue places is uh, seeing Ty uh, play with Shady Oaks, Card Catalog, and Radioactive Babushka. And uh, <laughs> what a good name! Sorry. It's a great name. Uh, and it was it was a surreal moment where uh, dude might have had a little bit too much to drink oh, no. uh, and picked a fight with another dude. Oh, oh boy! No. Heads were butted. The cops came. Somebody like throw some guy down the bowling lane. No. I've always wanted to see that. I've always wanted to see that. I know. I think they would like. I just, I just want to see what would happen. Like if you really like chucked someone. Yeah, because you always see it on the internet. But right, and they always s- get a strike. Right. Yeah. You and think I, we could get someone to volunteer to be thrown down? I, the bowling I would be thrown down lane? a bowling lane. Um, I, I would. I'll bring my helmet. Yeah. You, Actually, can you bring me a helmet? Because I don't have time to stop by home before the show. Yeah, I might. Okay. I don't think they'll let us also. I think that's a great way to never be allowed to play there again. That's true. (laughs) Well, they can try and stop us. I mean, they can stop us from from playing there again. Yeah, they could. Yeah, well, they, they can stop really, us from playing there again, they but they are not going to stop like me from throwing, throwing me some, down a bowling. Lane, I will yeet you know? someone down that lane. Yeet. Yeet. I do. I do think. I do think. Like, if someone were to be thrown down a bowling lane and get a strike, I do think. Like, I. I. I think I would get a strike. I don't know. I feel like you'd have to have like the no, wingspan. I think, I think I would do it. That's, yeah. I have. A, I have enough of a. Enough yeah. of a wingspan. Yeah, you're wide yeah. enough as a bowling alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I, I think I can fit a bowling lane. I don't think I would need to <laughs> extend my arms. Yeah. I think just my width alone would. If I got to hit it, I don't, they're kind of spread. Oh, do you know how hard it is to bowl a strike? Yeah, no. but when you have a whole you know person instead of just like a bowling ball. <laughs> yeah, that's. I was gonna say if we bowl Kenny, it's more accurate. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I'll just hit that one three pocket, you know, like I around the sides. Don't worry, I took bowling ball. class in high school. I got this. Oh my wait, god, wait, too. Really. Funny enough, the bowling alley we're playing at is where my high school bowling class is. Stop. Were. We no went to way. CU for bowling. What? When we did bowling. Ugh. It was kind wait, of terrible. Wait, so when you when you play there, are you are you see like your old bowling teacher? Be like, Mr. Sudeikis. I fucking hope not. I'm hoping my coworkers come. Yeah. <laughs> um okay, I've one I've one more question before um okay. we before we wrap up. I'm going to talk for 30 minutes. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'll talk for an hour then. Uh, there's there's so much of the community that may not understand other people's perspectives and live in their own bubble, right? What is one thing that you wish other people could understand about, um, about you? About us as people or about us as a band? Either or. Mm, I can talk for 30 minutes about this. <laughs> um, I think us as a band, I think the thing that like I want people to be able to understand about it and like I think people usually get it after walking into a show and like being at a show that we're playing at, but like genuinely the thing that we care about in terms of any audience we have, whether or not they like like us or know us or buy our CDs or buy our t-shirts. I just like, I don't give a shit. Like the only thing we care about with that is whether or not they like had a good time because like in the end we do have a really wide variety of kind of like genres that we play over like a wide variety of lyrical content. And like, we do try to tailor it to shows. Like if we're playing with a bunch of hardcore bands, we try to play our hardcore songs, but, or if we're playing like with indie bands, we will play the five or four pop punk songs we have and then try to figure it out from there. Um, 
But I think that it's just really important that, like, I just, that people, like, genuinely enjoy themselves and, like, find something that's fun for them. Um, so that's always kind of a big, a big thing for me. Um, do you have thoughts now, Kyle? You can come back to me. I have more thoughts, but I'll let you go first. God damn, I'm still thinking. <laughs> I have more thoughts. Um, uh, I don't know. I guess I could say something along the lines of since I'm, you know, playing drums and all the bands that I've ever been in, people know me as a drummer. So it might not ever feel like I have a whole lot to say because I never have the opportunity really to say much on stage or do a whole lot of like podcasts and stuff. But one thing I really like people to understand about Caustic Soda and what I'm happy to do with the band is being able to provide that like backbeat to the message that Terry and Jay come up with in their songs. Um, I really love that I can take that role that gets people moving and yeah. That was really sweet. Yeah, that was cute. Yeah. Caustic Soda is by far my favorite band that I've ever been in. Oh, you Kyle. I think the only band I've been in where people I've played with trust me when what I'm doing when it comes to the drums 100%. I think that was nice. I feel like we have to end there. I should probably, should yeah. probably not. Cool. So <laughs> we usually uh, end each episode with we all talk about what we've been listening to the past week. Oh, God. You sure you want to know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could answer this question almost Great. immediately. I want you to do that. If you asked so. me this question, like, a year ago, it would be the same answer. I've been listening to a fuck ton of Iron Maiden. <laughs> like, an unhealthy amount. I also recently discovered Halloween within the last, like, year and a half, two years. Mm -hmm. So there's been a healthy mix of just, like, power metal, very melodic, heavy, fast music. What's your favorite Iron Maiden song? Oh, God damn, that's a tough one. Problem. <laughs> That's a tough one. It depends on the day. Right now, my favorite one would probably have to be The Wicker Man. Okay, yeah. Uh, that one's a great song. When the first and only time I've seen Iron Maiden, they were my first heavy metal concert, and that was the song they opened up with. So when I think back on that night and the memories play through, that's the song I'm usually hearing. Awesome. But then uh, my girlfriend also recently just got me into Tori Amos and Kate Bush. We just saw Tori Amos when she wow, came from Colorado. Wow, that was a quick left right there. Oh, yeah, big Tori time. Amos is. Like, is it Andy? I don't know how to it's describe like Tori Amos at all. Indie. Tori Amos has been around for, oh, like 25 years, I think, 30 years. Can you sing like me some of it, Kyle? No. Please? I don't know any of it. She did a Can real, you? yeah, she did a real. <laughs> A fire cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit, but like oh, yeah, her sad piano Smells Like Teen Spirit. Okay. Yeah. You ever watch Bob's Burgers? Yeah. So you know that uh, episode where they do the food truck oh, festival? Oh, yeah, the oil lady. Oil spill? Oh. Oil spill lady <laughs> is based on Tori Amos. Gotcha. Okay. It's not subtle at all. Okay, got it. <laughs> it's really got not. It. After seeing Tori Amos live, oh, it's not subtle at all. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know that episode. Um, it's a fucking good episode. That cool. Funny yeah. Shit. Um, this is it my turn? Yeah, unless you want it to be my turn, uh, you can. Uh, okay. I think my the music I've been listening to lately is 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 a lot. Um, <laughs> I've got like slam poetry ish. I've got um hardcore. Mm -hmm. I've got folk punk. Um, I've got ska. Um, I've got some like weird uh like 
show tunes vibey songs. Um, I've also been listening to The Coup lately, so then naturally some rap. Um, and then, like, some classics. I got, like, recently saved, like, some anti-flag, mm. uh, some rancid. Uh, I've some more hardcore, some more folk punk, um, some more ska, <laughs> um, some more folk punk, uh, and then um, some more like weird rap. All right. So like the whole music section of a store in the 1990s. I don't usually listen to country, but I'm not against it. Not against um, and it. I can I can get down to like some whiskey lullaby from Brad Paisley every now and then because you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, what's uh yeah, what music have you been listening oh, to? Oh man, lately, I thought Kenny? I would get out of this. Okay. Um, <laughs> Good afternoon. I'm your host, Terry Mankovich. <laughs> Today we're gonna talk about what the fuck Kenny's been listening to. All right. Um so the UMS uh artist got announced last month, so I've been trying every few days to be like, Oh, I never listened to this music. I should listen to this music. Uh and I've been hooked on Daisy the Great. I don't know what that is. What is that, Kenny? Daisy the Great is actually two girls. Probably two women. So it's Daisy's the Great. Daisy's the Great, yeah. Uh-huh. Daisy's um, the Great. But, uh, but yeah, they have a, a song called The Record Player Song, which is like their hit. Uh, and uh, What genre are they? Um, Ish. I would say like Lord with more har- harmonies. Cool. Something like that. And then there's a funk band I was listening to. I actually got to see them a few weeks ago um, called Hand Turkey. Hand uh, turkey that are based in Fort Collins, and their is uh, their picture uh, perfect. I yeah. was about to ask if it was a hand turkey, yeah. and it is, and that's exactly what I was hoping. Actually, for. the turkey kind of looks like the front of your hair. It kind of does. Yeah. Rainbow turkey. Yeah, the Me rainbow too. turkey. Uh, I too but rainbow they, turkey. They were a lot of fun. They fit. They're a nine person band, and they all fit on the stage at Lions Lair. Do they all fit, or were they all on the stage? They were. <laughs> they were on the stage. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that makes more sense. With a keyboard. Yeah. And a horn section. Like they were physically present. Yes, but they were bopping like they were like <laughs> butt bopping. I guess yeah. you know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So did they? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, those are the two bands I've been listening to. Uh, anybody else? Like, let me see. Uh, Fiona Apple, obviously. I don't know uh, what that is, but okay. You don't know? Wait. I really, I actually don't. I hate saying you don't know who. No, blank I, blank is, I don't but, know who that is. But I did have a hot take of. Uh, I feel like uh, Fiona Apple's "Fetch the Bolt Cutters" is like mwah, chef's kiss. Um, and uh, learning some new music today. Yeah, and then Hannibal Burris, the comedian, has a rap album, uh, which is actually not bad. He goes under Eshu Tune. Um, Wait, what is it? Doesn't he have tune. like the number one Eshu rap tune. single in Norway? He might. No, nah, that's just oh, like a skit he did. He did it. Yeah, he did a whole song oh, about getting veneers. He's like, you got a chip. Get oh, my veneers. God. Stop. I love that. Yeah. This is great. I'm going to listen to this on my way home. I've been <laughs> listening to some weird fucking rap lately. I just like don't even know. Okay, like, what's a weird rap song? It's not even that it's weird. It's I've, I've been listening to like a lot of The Coup, which uh-huh. is like super weird for me uh-huh. because I didn't listen to a lot of rap. And then I found them because of that song, My Parents Cocaine. And I was like, this shit's fucking lit. It's all kazoo <laughs> with people rapping about how much they hate frat boys. Right. So I was really excited. And yeah. then I looked them up and I was like, I'm sorry, their first album was called Kill Your Landlord. Oh, cool. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, they have a song called Five Million Ways to Kill a CEO, and I'm like, how can I not how can I not bop this 24-7? I just don't know what else to do. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle, what rap are you listening to? 
Um, <laughs> oh, I'm ready. Oh, God, this got to be cringy as shit. No, I go for it. To listen to a way too unhealthy amount of Hollywood Undead when I was Ooh. younger. Oh, yeah! That is pretty yeah. cringe, but also it's a bomb So, like, oh, we have to end on that Hollywood Undead. If you, played almost, if you played anything so from Swan Songs or American Tragedy, so oh, they are. Like it's my, like listening to Head PE. I could almost <laughs> probably remember all the lyrics. Like, I'm not going to lie, like, I loved them in high school, and then I, like, understood how problematic their lyrics were, and I stopped getting down with it, which I'm guessing is similar to you. Maybe not. I stopped knock, listening knock. to a lot of their earlier material. Who's there, Kenny? You're still listening to Hollywood Undead, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> not as much as I used to, but I may or may not have the world's worst Hollywood Undead tattoo. What? You have a Hollywood Undead yeah. tattoo? I covered my Blink-182 tattoo because I learned the error of my ways. That sounds like that would take a long time. To cover up. <laughs> <It fucking> did. <laughs> did you not catch the the long time? I did, <laughs> but it still took a long time. <laughs> oh, we're gonna end I'd on like that Mark Hoppus to the tattoo shop. Anyway, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I ruined it with that one. We had a good ending and I fucking No, no, this is perfect. Uh Caustic Soda, Terry Kyle, thank you very much for joining. Thanks for having us. Hollywood Undead Tattoo. With dog and music in your hometown, other places to welcome. Welcome. All are welcome here. Rocky Mountain Mixed Down!